0: you Hey, it's Jose Galison. you You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major autopod catchers, and Odyssey as well. Today, my guest is Toad. Uh, he's one of my co-hosts on Tower Power Hour. Uh, we will be covering uh, continuing our live reading series on Democracy the God That Failed today. I do want to let you guys know if you are watching on today, the 27th, and you are watching the public live stream, uh, but almost immediately after this, I will be taking it down, and then it'll be roughly a week or so later, it'll go up publicly. Uh, if you want to be able to have access to it in the meantime, or any other number of perks that I have uh, available, because I have multiple levels of the patron, the lowest level is the two bucks, that's what gives you access to be able to watch the show in the meantime, in between that time where it's not uh, publicly available, that way you don't have to scramble to try to catch the live streams. Uh, but the, uh, lowest level is two bucks. Like I said, the highest level is 20 and the $20 is a sponsor level. And my sponsor is Mikhail Thorpe of the expat money show. Uh, he has a podcast on, you know, if you want to be one of those guys who wants to get out of the country, you know, passports, all that jazz, uh, figure out the taxes, whatever, what have you. Um, he's your guy. If you just want to kind of dip your toe in it, go check out his podcast. He also does it as a business. So, you know, you can go check out his business, uh, and he can, uh, you know, give him some money and he'll hook you up. And I also have Jeremy. Uh, he has an Etsy store at Etsy.com shop slash Raising Liberty. A lot of Liberty merch there. You can follow him on twi- at Twitter at Jeremy Rhymes. And then a new sponsor, uh, you know, my very guest I have today, Toad. Uh, Toad of Tower Power Hour, uh, which is the podcast me and him both do together with a few other uh, uh, rascals. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a fun show. Uh, you know, we just had one last night. It's pretty much every Wednesday at 9-11. Uh, yeah, we're on uh, YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, all that good shit. You can also fall toad at TPH underscore toad. Uh, yeah, I want to make sure to let you guys know too as well, one of my other co-hosts on Tower Power, Top Lobster. Go check out his merch at toplobster.com. He has my merch, he has Tower Power merch, he has uh, Liberty Lockdown merch, he has Naturalist Capitalist merch, so many more. Uh, he also has stuff that's not show-related, you know, just his own uh, original designs. Uh, and I definitely suggest go check it out; he's a good dude. Also, you know, follow him on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and get Toad in here. Hey, hey what's, what's up, on? man? What's going on? Hey, what's up? Yeah, I see uh, Tyler in the chat saying, "Do it high." Uh, <laughs> I may or may not, I may or may not have been tripping balls on the shrooms on Tower of Power last night.
1: I was just gonna uh, say, you're tripping balls tonight too. Is, is that chart that we're gonna look at gonna jump uh, jump out in your face? No,
0: but it, it was pretty funny. I mean, like, shrooms is kind of like a mild hallucinogenic, but I was, like, the, like, there was definitely some visuals, and it was really freaking me out during the show. There were a couple times, like, for <laughs> some reason, specifically your background and Reed's background, I would see weird shit that wasn't there, but not like I was, like, vivid stuff that there'd be, like, I'd kind of see on the corner of the eye, and it was almost like playing mind tricks, where I was like, what the fuck is that? And it'd be, like, almost like something that's not really there, and... It, it, was, it was weird, and yeah, it was it was a fun time. I pretty much just stayed in mute and giggled the, the whole time. That's pretty much all I did that episode. Uh, it was right. a fun one.
1: And yeah, we all they, endorsed uh, John Fetterman, and you were basically just like, yeah, what everybody else said.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I agree with it now as well, too. So, you know, uh, well, whatever, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I guess let's go ahead and get in here. It's funny, after we talked about a little bit of degeneracy, uh, you know, uh, you Now we'll go ahead and get into Democracy of the God That Failed. Uh, We we just did the introduction in the last episode. We knocked that all out. Now we're moving on to time preference. Time preference, government, and the process of de-civilization. That's the name of this chapter. Uh, Yeah, I think you guys will enjoy it. I will warn you guys, uh, it takes a little bit before it hits its stride. A little bit dry at the beginning. A little kind of uh, dry theory stuff. I mean, I like theory, but there's like dry theory and there's like interesting theory. This is like kind of like the economics type stuff. That's a little bit more dry, a little bit in the beginning, but you know, it picks up, it gets better. I'm telling you. And and even then the dry stuff is important shit. So
1: yeah, this is the most technical chapter in the book. So like the rest of the book is really not like the first chapter, but the first chapter gets applied uh, throughout.
0: Yeah. Sets,
1: sets the groundwork. Yeah. Yeah. Did I, uh, did I mention on last week's episode, by the way, that the first time I read this book, I was reading a physical copy of it while I was uh, on jury duty and attempting to get on a jury. And I got sidebarred and thrown off the jury, I think because I was reading Hans Hermann Hoppe. Oh, No,
0: I didn't. I, uh, yeah, I, I, the one time I got jury duty, I just never
1: answered. Oh, I was trying to get on the jury because, <laughs> because it was a DUI against this like old lady and it had been like drawn out for like months. And I'm like, just let this lady go about yeah. her life you know like i wanted to get on the jury nullify that shit and i the judge could just smell it on me i guess it was just like yeah. nope and drunk driving school as long as you don't you know hurt
0: anybody so it was a little old lady i'm like what did she really do like, come on yeah it's a uh, drunk driving's not the problem it's drunk accidents that's what the issue is so yeah uh let's go ahead and get into it uh we'll try and knock out what we can this episode we definitely won't be able to knock out the whole chapter it's a big ass chapter but uh, we'll, we'll definitely start getting into it. I think in uh, the next uh, episode and probably the following episode, we'll get into the kind of stuff that's uh, juicy. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. Um, time preference. in acting, an actor invariably aims to substitute a more satisfactory for a less satisfactory state of affairs and thus demonstrates a preference for more rather than fewer goods. Moreover, he invariably considers when the future his goals will be reached i.e., the time necessary to accomplish them, as well as a good's duration of serviceability. Thus, he also demonstrates a universal preference for earlier over later goods and for more over less durable ones. This is the phenomenon of time preference. It sounds astoundingly simple and it's like really dumb to kind of break it down like this. And this is how a lot of it when you get into like basic economics, basic economics type stuff is, Mm. but you build off of these principles and it it makes sense because. I and mean, it seems like an easy concept, but then when you apply it, you know, in other ways and it's there, I've been like,
1: Oh yeah, I, I get what you mean here. Yeah. I actually read this uh, chapter of this book before I'd read um, Mises or like anything that Rothbard had done on economics. And I thought it was pretty concise the way Hoppe lays it out here. Like it, it made yeah. sense to me at least.
0: Oh yeah. It's very simple at this point, but like I was saying, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, that's how a lot of like the basic economic stuff is. It's like, it is a little bit dry and boring, but it's very simple at the beginning. And then they build off of it. Uh, you know, something like human action. Humans act. Like, yeah, no <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> even when you're not acting, you're acting because to not act is an act. <laughs> That's right.
1: Uh, but yeah. That's right. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Exactly. R- rush free will.
0: Yep. Every actor requires some amount of time to attain his goal. And since man must always consume something and cannot entirely stop consuming while he is alive, time is always scarce. Thus, ceteris paribus, present, he likes that word a lot, uses it a lot. I don't even know what the fuck it means, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> present or earlier goods are and must invariably be valued more highly than future or later ones. In fact, if man were not constrained by time preference and if the only constraint operating on him were that of Time preference, and if the only constraint, is, uh, wait, did I read that wrong? Oh, uh, if, if man were not constrained, if the only constraint offering him were that of preferring more over less, right. he would invariably choose those production processes which yielded the largest output per input, regardless of the length of time needed for these methods to bear fruit. So it sounds mm-hmm. kind of hard. I mean, for the other retards out there, basically what he's saying is if we took out time out of the equation altogether, People would just prefer more over less. Whatever, the, whatever the, the given process they have to do to get more of a given thing, that is what they prefer. But yeah. generally speaking, in typical life, uh, the you know you kind of store up capital or whatever. It usually, uh, uh, if you do something that has a how do I put it a longer time horizon, usually you're going to tend to have a larger yield, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. So, yeah. but you know,
1: and ceteris paribus means like all other things remaining the same. There so like go. a lot of things that he's going to talk about are you know axiomatic truths about economics. By the way, because economics involves so many factors that you can't really account for, we're just saying that you know all of the things are yeah. the same. This is true. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Because everyone always tries to get into technicality, and be like well this, and you're like okay, okay, but we're we're kind of speaking in. Uh, I don't have enough time to give a, you know, four paragraph, uh, caveat before I, you know, try to explain this principle to you. Jason <laughs> said, said,
1: <laughs> said it as well. Yeah. All uh, the things being equal.
0: Yeah. He would always save and never consume. And that's kind of like basically what I was just saying earlier. He'd always save, never consume because, you know, he's not concerned about present, uh, con- c- consumption. He's just concerned right. in this given hypothetical about having more of a given thing. Um, For instance, instead of making a fishing net first, Crusoe would have begun constructing a fishing trawler, as it is the economically most efficient method of catching fish. That no one, including Crusoe, can act in this way makes it evident that man cannot but value fractions of time of the same length in a different way according as they are nearer or remoter from the instant of the actor's decision. Uh, I mean, really is just as simple as, you know, if you're hungry, do you want one apple now or three apples later? Well, I'm hungry now,
1: so I want the one apple now. It's really that simple. Well, also, like, if you know that you can build, like, a fishing trawler and that's going to yield the most fish, well, you can do that. But in the meantime, like, you need fish to consume or you're going to die before you even get there. So
0: Exactly. Yep. Um, Constrained by time preference man will only when well, you know a better example i could have used is apple and planting the apple to make an apple tree and get a shitload of apples later well i guess that doesn't work because you can always take the seeds out that doesn't uh, work Fuck well,
1: bob murphy kind of i think he uses an apple tree as an example he in his show the bob murphy show like really early on in the show he did like a three-part series on time preference which was where he was talking about why he doesn't think pure time preference is necessarily entirely correct but that, like, three-part thing was one of the best things I've ever listened to, and he was using uh, Bum, Barver- Bum Barver- uh explanation of time preference uh, as, like, a guide in that. Like, I think people should listen to that. That's, that's some really good stuff. Yeah.
0: Constrained by time preference, man will only exchange a present good for a future one if he anticipates thereby increasing his amount of future goods. The rate of time preference, which is and can be different from person to person and from one point in time to the next, but which can never be anything for, but positive for anyone, simultaneously determines the height of the premium which present goods command over future ones, as well as the amount of savings and investment. The market rate of interest is the aggregate sum of all individual time preference rates, reflecting the social rate of time preference in equilibrating. Social savings and a social investment. All right, do you want to interpret that for, for the other for the people here? Because did you get that?
1: Well, I mean he, he is sort of just talking about uh, how basically just the entire uh, market worth of people, I guess let's say kind of that determines what uh, like the average interest rate is going to be. Uh, which I think it's more about where he's leading uh, Mm. by saying this is that he's going to start talking about like how the federal reserve intentionally lowers interest rates. And in doing so, they're setting the interest rate lower than what it would be as dictated just by the market, because the market is going to dictate it based on like how much production has there been so far, like leading up to this. And once you've uh, had, you know, a, a period of like production, for a while, like then you're going to be able to start uh, uh, consuming again. Right. So you have like shifts in periods of savings and periods of consumption. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what he's saying here. And uh, it's reflected in the interest rate, which is sort of like the price of money. It's the price of borrowing money. So if you have extremely low interest rates, like the fed is setting them low at all times, that's disincentivizing saving at all times because you're not going to get that much interest back on your money for saving us, so you're going to be consuming all the time because you're incentivized to do so.
0: Yeah, which makes sense with his first sentence. Constra- constrained by time preference, man will only exchange a present good for a future one if he anticipates thereby increasing his amount of future goods. Because there's zero purpose in saving if you have nothing to gain from it. So the, the decreased interest rate, which would essentially de-incentivize your, uh, your reason to save, essentially, because if you're only making... 0.5% uh, you know, accrual off of whatever money you're saving. It's kind of like, well, what difference? Is it really that much more valuable holding on to it? Or I could just use it now for whatever given thing I want at this moment in time. So, all right. Yeah. No supply of loanable funds can exist without previous savings, i.e. without abstaining from a possible consumption of present goods. And no demand for loanable funds would exist if no one perceived an opportunity to employ present goods productively, to invest them so as to produce a future output that would exceed current input. Indeed, if all present goods were consumed and none invested in time-consuming production methods, the interest rate would be infinitely high, which anywhere outside the Garden of Eden would be tantamount to leading a mere animal existence. I.e., eking out a primitive subsistence, living by encountering reality, which, with nothing but one's bare hands and a desire for instant gratification, which yeah. I, I know he's going to kind of sort of lead to this later, and this is kind of the the damaging. And this doesn't mean necessarily saying there should always be a high interest rate, but the damage of having an insanely low interest rate—it's kind of it's like a de-civilization type thing because it's yes. you essentially are not in, in any way providing a reason for people to. Uh, provide or or to do anything for the future whatsoever there's no gain to be made and that's kind of like you are that's why he says you know to 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 infinite ad or ad absurdum i forget the fucking term it is but if you were to apply it to this ridiculous Redactio ad absurdum reductio ad absurdum there you go Mm. um if you applied that there say you did a negative interest rate that literally is essentially bringing humanity in a sense back to an animal type existence just living hand to mouth essentially um you know right all right. A supply of and a demand for loanable funds only arise, and this is a human condi- condition, if it is recognized first that indirect production processes yield a larger or better output uh, per input
1: than direct and short ones. Second. Were hmm. you going to say something? Well, that's like uh, – that's one of the uh like time preference things where he talks about, yeah, roundabout production processes. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Second, it must be possible by means of savings to accumulate the amount of present goods needed to provide all those uh, for all those wants whose satisfaction during the prolonged waiting time is deemed more urgent than the increment in future well-being expected from the adoption of a more time-consuming production process. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is basically a lot of more words to basically saying that you need to... You know, kind of basically what I said earlier, you need to have some sort of incentive to actually be able to save. Otherwise, what's the point of fucking saving if you have nothing to if you have nothing to really gain from it or if right. you're losing money by saving? Like If you have a negative interest rate, you're theoretically losing money keeping it in the bank. So, you know, or or if you have a super high inflation, what have you, uh, it's kind of a lot of us say, you know, buy gold, buy crypto because your money, your dollar is literally losing value. So. Uh, It just just depends on at what rate is it losing value and at what rate can you make money off of it, Uh, you know, an investment, whatever. Uh, So long as these conditions are fulfilled, capital formation and accumulation will set in and continue. Land and labor, the originary factors of production, instead of being supported by and engaged in instantaneously gratifying production processes are supported by an excess of production over consumption, and employed in the production of capital goods. Capital goods have no value as intermediate products in the process of turning out final uh, goods later. And insofar Hmm. as the production of final goods or products is more productive with than without them, or what amounts to the same thing, insofar as he who possesses and can produce with the aid of capital goods is nearer in time to the completion of his ultimate goal than he who must do without them. The excess in value price of a capital good over the sum expended on the complementary originary factors required for its production is due to this time difference in the universal fact of time preference. It is the price paid for buying time for moving closer to the completion of one's ultimate goal rather than having to start at the very beginning. For the same reason, the value of the final output must exceed the sum spent on its factors of production the price paid for the capital good and all complementary labor services all right right you
1: you want to you want to you to put that in layman's terms for people <laughs> uh well that last thing he's essentially talking about uh like a producer needs to be able to make profit uh, i mean that is uh going to be what they're i mean they need to be incentivized to produce mm-hmm. so they're going to want to make money off of this thing so they need to be able to sell that thing for more than what they put into it so he's uh, he, he put a lot in that paragraph. He was talking yes. about the difference between capital and consumer goods. Consumer goods are that end good that people are going to consume. And capital goods are goods that essentially are able to like aid in the production process and make the production process more efficient. Uh, so, I mean, that's essentially what's going on in that paragraph. Uh, so yeah. I don't know if I missed anything. No, there's a, there. there is a
0: lot in there. Uh, yeah. I do highly suggest people read it. This is one of those things you can go over multiple times. Uh, it'll get it'll get a lot, lot less technical as we go through. I think, uh, maybe in certain
1: chapters it will get more technical again. But no. right, and his other point, kind of before that, was like basically because all of the people that are involved in the market are the factors that are going to determine whether or not more people are going to be saving right now or more people are going to be consuming right now. He's basically going to be saying later. He's implying already that no, like central authority can set that uh interest rate or whatever and tell you like this is what you must be doing right now and he is also saying that production must precede consumption of course because you have to produce something before you can consume it
0: yeah the lower the time preference rate the earlier the onset of the process of capital formation and the faster the roundabout stru- uh, structure of production will be lengthened any increase in the accumulation of capital goods and the roundaboutness of the production structure in turn raises the marginal productivity of labor. This leads to either increased employment or wage rates, or even if the labor supply curve should come backwards, sloping with increased wage sl- rates to a higher wage total. Supplied with an increased amount of capital goods, a better paid population of wage earners will produce an overall increased future social product thus also raising the real incomes of the owners of capital and land. Mm. All right. This is, I mean, in, in essence is saying, you know, the, the lower the time preference rate, the more people are willing to save, uh, the more you're, you know, you will tend to essentially the wage earners will tend to make more. And then additionally, the fucking, the people who we pay said wage earners will earn more. Everybody
1: wins type bullshit. Uh, if you have anything to add to that or no, um, No, I mean, I think you got that. Like basically the, yeah, like wage rates increasing should kind of go along with uh, the rate of production also increasing, which, uh, you know, when the government comes in and fucks everything up, that tends to no longer be the case.
0: Yep. All right. Next section. Factors influencing time preference in the process of civilization. Yeah. Yep, this one starts getting a little, little bit better. A little less, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, economics is great, but let's, we all know it's kind of a little boring. Um, it's just more fun when you start. You, it's fun when you take the economic principles and apply them to other things. or you know. But when you're just going over the dry technical economic stuff, it, it is, it's a little bit much. Um, among the factors influencing time preference, one can distinguish between external, biological, personal, and social or institutional ones. External factors are events in an actor's physical environment whose outcome he can neither directly nor indirectly control. Such events affect time preference only if and insofar as they are expected. Yeah. They can be of two kinds. If a positive event such as mana, falling from heaven, is expected to happen at some future date, the marginal utility of future goods will fall relative to that of present ones. The time preference rate will rise and consumption will be stimulated. Once the expected event has occurred and the larger supply of future goods has become a larger supply of present goods, the reverse will happen. The time preference rate will fall and savings will increase. All right. This is now on to you. I don't know if you have anything to add on that little section, uh, but this is something to you to read.
1: Uh, I mean, he's basically saying that, um, yeah, so you have certain things that can be expected. So if you – if you expect that you're going to have like this supply of things, like, like if you're uh, you could use like the apple tree example, potentially, like if you know that you're going to have a bunch of apple trees that are done growing in the future at a certain time, then that might mean that you're uh, going to have a higher time preference and you're, you Mm. might want to consume more of the apples now because you know, you're going to have more in the future as well.
0: Mm. Yep this, this space. And That's basically that's why I kind of why I use this as a mana example because it's like mana just dropped from heaven, um, you know you have a shitload of cons- consuming to do. Uh, there's not really any, uh, you know, like you're not well, you're not going like plant mana or like uh, there, there, there's less of a need to store up food for consumption or whatever in this given example. Uh, but all right, let's uh go ahead.
1: Right. Um, Where are we at here? On the other hand. Ah, yes. On the other hand, if a negative event, such as a flood, is expected, the marginal utility of future goods rises, the time preference rate will fall and savings will increase. Right. So, you know, like people stocking up water or something like that, like when they know a hurricane is going to come in or stocking up toilet paper for absolutely no reason uh, when COVID started. Yeah. Uh, But that was, uh, yeah, well. Uh, where am I? After the event with a reduced supply of present goods, the time preference rate will rise. Um, yeah, so what he was saying before is like once that like, you know, mana falls or once the uh, the apple trees have grown or whatever, then uh, the time preference uh, rate will fall again and you'll have to uh, start saving more again because you don't expect more uh, to happen in the future like that. And then with a negative event, it's just the total opposite of that. Yeah. And he's not necessarily saying that because all of this is expected. So he's not really saying that the increase and decrease in time preference here is bad or good in these cases. He's just saying that it falls and rises as people expect these things, which is just an expected yeah. thing. It's just a phenomenon that we can observe. Yeah. And the expected thing is a key point,
0: which we'll get into later where we get exactly.
1: unexpected uh, occurrences. Mm, uh, I, but, I wonder yeah. what might cause that. Yeah, which is what I was about to say about the COVID shit. I'm like, well, that wasn't actually expected, I wouldn't say. Biological processes are technically within an actor's reach, but for all practical purposes and in the foreseeable future, they too must be regarded as a given by an actor, similar to external events. It is a given that man is born as a child, that he grows up to be an adult, that he is capable of procreation during part of his life, and then he ages and dies. Ooh, getting dark now. Yeah, He's I do away. like...
0: This is where we start getting to the point where he applies time preference to... this is where a lot of mm. people will say stuff like economics is everything. Uh, because you yeah. kind of can apply economic principles to sort of almost everything. It's just a lot of people will debate. Yeah. I guess it, it really comes down to a definitions thing. Like, if you're like, well... Because he gets into like applying time preference to social things... Um, uh, you know, say degeneracy or whatever. Uh, but uh, like, in a lot of people, be like, well, that's not economics because it's not dealing with money or, or property or et cetera, or whatever. So then you just get down to a definitions thing. But in a certain way, you kind of can apply it, especially since uh, all that money is is a representation of value. And then, you know, you can say relationships are things you value. What kind of value do you put on it? Like, you can say a rich man doesn't necessarily have to be a fucking millionaire. It can be someone who you know is lives in the mountains and is you know uh, lives off the land and is happy and has a good yeah. family. That that could be a rich man because that because he could value that more than the millionaire values his possessions. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So and this is kind of what he's getting to. But oh hey, what's up, Clint? Yeah. I see you in the in the chat. But...
1: What's up, Clint? <laughs> Clint was just on uh, Break the Cycle. They were uh, competing with us uh, tonight. Yeah. Uh, what, what I remember uh, taking away from uh, when Hoppe starts talking about like the lifespan of a person, I do remember him really like nailing uh, the fact that uh, when he starts talking about people uh, wanting to like save their stuff so that their children can inherit it. Like it has a lot to do with uh, like saving for future generations and whether or not you value that.
0: Yeah, and it'll get into how it applies to governmental systems, right. and in what incentives different systems have. Uh, you know, an easy example is a senator that's in for what four or six years or whatever. They're just going to try to get their money, uh, yes. and you know, like, and, and, and let's say you know in this given time, say the elite know this thing's going to shit. Uh, they're just going to try to get their money and get and try to pass it off to the next guy because there's no, like they know they're going to be able to take care of themselves and their family. They'll be fine. Uh, it's going to be all the middle-class and lower-class people that are going to be really fucked. So,
1: exactly and and then he winds up uh, comparing and contrasting systems of government as far as that's concerned too where he talks about how in democracy you have like these temporary caretakers where they're just not really going to give a shit uh where yep. they'll just use like all of the stuff that they steal from the people essentially whereas in a more privatized or you know a monarchy essentially that is closer to like a private system of government, if you want to call it that, where you know that like your uh, descendants are going to be inheriting your stuff that you would actually like take care of that uh, stuff more and want to save it for them. Yeah, good example. Hunter Biden is not going
0: to be taking over shit. So <laughs> that's why it's uh, you got his dirty dick beaters and every money
1: scheme they can, you know?
0: So uh, profiting off of us, but all right, let's, let's go got to get
1: him on the board of directors of Burisma, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, these biological facts have a direct bearing on time preference because of biological constraints on their cognitive development, children have an extremely high time preference rate. They do not possess a clear concept of a personal life expectancy extending over a lengthy period of time, and they lack full comprehension of production as a mode of indirect consumption accordingly present goods and immediate gratification are highly preferred to future goods and delayed gratification savings investment activities are rare and the periods of production and provision seldom extend beyond the most immediate future children live from day to day and from one immediate gratification to the next yep. yeah so and then that's like what he's going to say with government uh, heightening everybody's time preference he's kind of like making them behave like children because then they're not thinking about the future as much at all. And they're only, uh, desiring immediate gratification as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas when a child that's expected, but once you become an adult, he's going to say that it's less expected. Whereas an adult, you want to be able to make sure that your children are provided for you have way more of an incentive to save. And then once you're, and, and that goes like up until your death, basically, like, yeah. do in, you want to uh, just consume all of that for yourself or do you want to save, do you want to provide for the next generation for your children, which yeah. is why I think, you know, having children is
0: Yeah, an that's what I was about thing. to say, because that an a point it gets to do, it kind of has the inverse relation if you don't have familial connections in your old age. Because if you have nothing left to, to live for, if you're just some, uh, I don't know, a uh, uh, Hugh Hefner type or something. It's kind of like, why wouldn't you just live up and bang horse? Like, oh. like, like you have nothing. There's you have in your head aside from maybe the legacy for him of like Playboy or whatever. Like he doesn't really have anything to live for. He knows he's gonna die. But he doesn't have anything he really specifically cares for that needs to pass on to. But. Um, this is why things like that are important. I also think it makes a more enriching life. It's not just a matter of that's better for the collective and that you,
1: you, you're mm. providing for the
0: future. Right? I personally think it makes a more enriched life, but all right, let's keep going.
1: Uh, should we answer Gene Isis question, by the way, about the inverted yield curve? I, don't, I, don't I, I would say, saying. I don't think that it disproves anything that Hop was saying here. I think the inverted yield curve, as far as I, No, and again, Bob Murphy has done like a bunch of really good work on this, and that's how I know about this uh, for the most part. Uh, The inverted yield curve is seen by a lot of Austrian uh, economists as um, sort of like the best predictor of a market crash. So I would say that like the inverted yield curve could be something that really only – happens when you get into a really bad economic state because the Fed has been like keeping interest rates low the whole time. What what an inverted yield curve means is that uh, I believe that it means that short-term bonds are going to yield more than long-term bonds will, which is almost never the case. All right. Yeah.
0: All right. We're in the course of becoming an adult.
1: In the course of becoming an adult, an actor's initially extremely high time preference rate tends to fall. With the recognition of one's life expectancy and the potentialities of production as a means of indirect consumption, the marginal utility of future goods rises. Saving and investment are stimulated, and the periods of production and provision are lengthened. Finally, becoming old and approaching the end of one's life, one's time preference rate tends to rise, so this is what I was yeah, just talking about a little while ago. The marginal utility of future goods falls because there is less of a future left. Savings and investments will decrease and consumption, including the non-replacement of capital and durable consumer goods, will increase. This old age effect may be counteracted and suspended, however. Mm, I wonder how that might happen. Mm-hmm. Owing to the biological fact of procreation, an actor may extend his period of provision beyond the duration of his own life. If and insofar as this is the case, his time preference rate can remain at its adult level until his death. So that's what I was saying. If if you're an old, if you become an old person and you don't have any children, you have like nothing to save for. So you're just going to wind up consuming. um, You have nothing left. Right. And he's going to say that people that get into government, like a democratic form of government, especially are going to behave in that manner. Uh, Whereas if you have children and you want to provide for them, your time preference won't become as heightened because you're going to want to pass something on to them. And generally uh, the way that it has worked up until very recent uh, generations would be that you would want your children to sort of surpass what you've done. Uh, Within the constraints imposed by external and biological factors, an actor sets his time preference rate in accordance with his subjective evaluations. How high or low this rate is, and what changes it will undergo wait what what changes it will undergo in the course of his lifetime oh what changes it will undergo in the course of his lifetime depend on personal psychological factors one man may not care about anything but the present and the most immediate future like a child he may only be interested in instant or minimally delayed gratification In accordance with his high time preference, he may want to be a vagabond, a drifter, a drunkard, a junkie, a daydreamer, or simply a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who likes to work as little as possible in order to enjoy each and every day to the fullest. That's one of my favorite lines in the early uh, part of this book. I love when he kind of just goes off on that. And we could, uh, you know, sling that, uh, like an accusation of being that way against a lot of people who consider themselves to be libertarians, so... Yeah, yeah, just the idea of, oh, you know, we
0: all need to be free, and then just disregarding the whole responsibility aspect. And, 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 the libertine
1: and, style.
0: Yeah, and like, in my take would be too, it's just, I, I think it's just a matter of like, it's, it's not even so much responsibility. I just think it's more fulfilling. Like, I think you're going to have a better life if you are, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I think it's a balanced thing, because then he kind of illustrates it here in a second, the idea of the one extreme or the other uh you know obviously the, i think the best idea is to try to get some sort of like passive incomes or or have multiple streams so that cuz yeah you do kind of want to be able to have a uh, you do want to be able to work as little as possible in order to enjoy each and every day to the fullest but you also want to be able to make income so it is a balancing act like so mm-hmm. i mean personally cuz i mean i think i think family connections are important and then you also having time to you know actually uh, you know, strengthen those connections, you know, which, you know, kind of like you went right. to earlier with the old age thing. Like, mm-hmm. even if you do, even if you are somebody who procreates, if you don't maintain close familial connections and you just have to get thrown in a home, uh, I mean, that kind of destroys the whole, you know, concept in a lot of ways too, to where it will mm-hmm. fuck up his time preference too. So, right, you right.
1: Know. And, and as he was pointing out uh, a little while ago in, uh, in this chapter, like you don't want like an extremely, uh, low time preference, or an extremely high time pre- time preference. So yeah. It has to be. There has to be a balance there because, yeah. like, even uh, yeah, in the uh, low time preference scenario, you don't want it to be so low that you're gonna only care about saving for your child, yeah. and you're just gonna like die before you can even save as much for them as you yeah. intend to, right? So
0: yeah, like I know it's kind of almost like a meme to make fun of people for being high time preference individuals or something like that. But high time preference and even low time preference are not really meant to be negative connotations they're more just descriptive uh because the idea is it depends on the scenario everyone's flexible just like he said you know uh
2: mm-hmm.
0: if you are you know a flood's about to hit or something you're going to be low time preference for that period of time but if you behaved in that manner in that extreme of a low time preference uh thing on any other given time it, it would almost be probably a little bit of a negative uh, in, in some light um you know so it really and if you're you know the the robinson crusoe uh situation where you're starving on an island and you see food like it's really the first thing to be like oh how can i invest these and find ways to create no you're gonna eat the fucking food because you're gonna starve to death if you don't that's a high type a high time preference act but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean it's negative and so that's what a lot of people get wrong about hoppa right. uh, yes if you exist uh, eternally in a high type preference mode it's probably not gonna work out so well for you uh, maybe you should work on your impulse control. I don't, I don't know if to fucking tell you, but there are definitely yeah. situations where it makes sense to be high time preference, and situations that make sense to be low. These are just descriptive things, not necessarily negative at, uh, attributes. So right, and a lot of
1: it could be like in situations where you need to defend yourself in various scenarios and things like that. Like that could be considered high time preference behavior, but is is that actually behavior that you shouldn't be uh, acting upon in that case?
0: Exactly. Right. Another
1: man. Um, another man may worry about his and his offspring's future constantly, and this is what I was saying. You could have time preference that's actually too low as well, and by means of savings, may want to build up a steadily growing stock of capital and durable consumer goods in order to provide for an increase in the larger supply of future goods and an ever longer period of provision. A third person may feel a degree of time preference somewhere in between these extremes, or he may feel different degrees at different times, which I think is definitely the case with basically everybody mm-hmm. unless you're a robot, and therefore choose still another lifestyle career. Yep. However, no matter what a person's original
0: time preference rate or what the original distribution of such rates within a given prop- uh, population, once it is low enough to allow for any savings in capital, or durable consumer goods formation at all, a tendency towards a fall in the rate of time preference is set in motion, accompanied by a process of civilization. And to put that simply, it's kind of the more low time preference people act, the you know especially as individuals, the more likely it'll cause others around you to kind of be more low time preference, and this will cause a savings effect. This will cause increased uh, you know production in the future. This will you know kind of build up civilization, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, You know, it's really that simple Uh, because if you as an individual are saving and, you know, essentially creating surplus, you know, out there in the world or cheaper goods or whatever, it's going to make other people around you's lives better. It will make them more likely to act in a similar fashion and
1: that that effect will extend outwards. So Correct. Yeah. And the opposite of that is also true.
0: Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, the saver exchanges present goods for future goods with the expectation that these will help prov- produce a larger supply of present goods in the future. If he expected otherwise, he would not save, Uh, which, you know, that's a, a key point because if he expected otherwise, he would not save. It's kind of like when you lower the fucking uh, interest rate. It's kind of like people don't really have, uh, you know, if you get a 0% interest rate,
1: it really is kind of like, well, why the fuck would I save? Unless you're, I guess doing some right. sort
0: of investment thing or something. But you right. know. And the other
1: thing, the low interest rate does is it incentivizes uh, companies like producers to borrow more mm-hmm. um, where, you know, like there might not be anything to really back that up. So they might be borrowing more and investing all this in what they think is going to be future production. And then only later realize that they don't actually have uh, the amount of capital goods produced even to actually wind up producing that consumer good that they intended to and the whole, you know, process kind of falls apart and that's what uh, the Fed lowering interest rates causes.
0: Yeah. If these expectations prove correct and if everything else remains the same, the marginal utility of present goods relative to that of future ones will fall. His time preference rate will be lower. He will save and invest more in the past and his future income will be still higher, leading to yet another reduction in his time preference rate. Step by step, the time preference rate approaches zero without ever reaching it. In a monetary economy, as a result of his surrender of present money, a saver expects to receive a higher real money income later. With a higher income, the marginal utility of present money falls relative to future money. The savings proportion rises and future monetary income will be even higher. Moreover, in an exchange economy, the saver investor also contributes to a lowering of the time.
2: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you.
0: preference rate of non-savers which is what i talked about a little bit earlier with the accumulation of capital goods the relative scarcity of labor services increases and wage rates ceteris paribus will rise higher wage rates imply a, high, a rising supply of present goods for previous non-savers thus even those individuals who were previously non-savers will see their personal time preference rates fall in addition, as an indirect result of the increased real incomes brought about through savings, nutrition and healthcare improve and life expectancy tends to rise. In development, similar to transformation from childhood to adulthood, with a higher life expectancy, more distant goals are added to an individual's present value scale. The marginal utility of future goods relative to that of present ones increases. The time preference rate declines further. I love how he covers like every angle because even Mm. the, uh, you know, increasing or uh, improving society will likely lead to, uh, you know, better lives, uh, more economically enriched lives and longer lives. And if you have a longer life, you have a longer time horizon, which is going to allow you to have more of an idea to think for the future. Um, Yeah. Simultaneously, the saver-investor initiates a process of civilization. In generating a tendency toward a fall in the rate of time preference, he and everyone directly or indirectly connected to him through a network of exchanges matures from childhood to adulthood and from barbarism to civilization. Right. In building up an expanding structure of capital and durable consumer goods, the saver-investor also steadily expands the range and horizon of his plans the number of variables under his control and taken into account in his present actions increases. Accordingly, his, according to this increases the number and time horizons of his predictions concerning future events. Hence, the saver investor is interested in inquiring and steadily improving upon his knowledge concerning increasing number of variables and in their interrelationships. Yet, once he has acquired or improved his own knowledge and verbalized it or displayed it in action, such knowledge becomes a free good available for imitation and utilization for other by others for their own purposes. Thus, by virtue of the saver saving, even the most present-oriented person will be gradually transformed from a barian, barbarian to a civilized man. Yeah. His life ceases to be short, brutish, and nasty and becomes longer, increasingly refined, and comfortable. Basically, right. the point being is if you start doing things differently, And people seeing you do those things differently and realizing the possible results of doing said things, they are more likely to do similar or the same thing. Uh, Mm. And it, it goes on from there. You know, it's once the first person created the cotton gin, then other people started probably doing similar things. Uh, You know, it it started going to others, um, something along those lines.
1: Well, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just more likely that that will be the case, I guess, because once you, yeah, you continue to you know innovate create all these capital goods that make people more productive like everybody's going to be wealthier and that will tend to keep time preference rates lower as well where like we were saying i think yeah like there could be those two extremes but i do think it's probably ideal to have um a time preference rate like across the population that is relatively low but not at the like extreme low where they're not you know, consuming anything at all and keeping themselves alive.
0: But yeah. Yeah. It's
1: also situational.
0: So it's like, yeah, we would prefer people to have lower time, uh, time preferences. But if you're in a situation that dictates a higher time preference, you may be a little silly to have that lower time preference. You want to go as low as possible without basically fucking yourself essentially. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, more people do that, the, the lower you can go with it and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, here we go. Now we got to at this yeah this graph is about coming up and one other thing i will say is that uh like today we tend to like kind of think of like civilized people as being these like coastal like liberals in cities and whatever which is ridiculous and that's kind of not the case because it tends to be that these people are kind of like actually like the leeches in a way if you get what i'm what i'm saying
0: yes yes (laughs) i do um yeah I mean, I guess it highly depends on what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, I guess they're, they're they, kind of
1: leeching off of like uh, past generations in a lot of cases, I would say. Like, yeah, leeching off of the wealth that has already been accumulated prior to them. And they have no idea how to actually do that for themselves.
0: Yeah. All right. Figure one, uh, the figure you guys see. I don't know if you need a larger screen to do it. This might be, a, uh, you should be able to see it. To, you know, if you're looking mm-hmm. at your little phone, it might be a little hard, but you know, whatever. Uh, provides a graphic illustration of phenomena of time preference in the process of civilization. It relates individual time preference rates, the height of the premium of a specified present good over the same good at a specified later date, which induces a given individual to engage in intertemporal exchange. I probably shouldn't have read that parentheses. that just makes it more confusing. Uh, on yeah. the vertical axis to the individual's real money income on the horizontal. And I'll let you take over from there.
1: All right. Uh, in accordance with the law of marginal utility, each individual time preference curve, such as T one or T two, slopes downward as the supply of present money increases. The process of civilization is depicted by a movement from point eleven, or is that 11? Yeah, eleven? Yeah. Point, yeah. Point eleven with a time preference rate of T eleven. To point twenty-two with a time preference rate of T twenty-two, this movement is the composite result of two interrelated changes. If on you're listening
0: in hand- audio, you probably could just fast forward a few, a couple like, uh. thirty seconds,
1: because uh, uh, it's not going to make sense without the visual. But go on. we we, we can try to uh, simplify it as well or explain what's going on yeah. here. On the one hand, it involves a movement along T one from point eleven to twelve, representing the fall in time preference rate. The results if an individual with a given personality possesses a larger supply of present goods. On the other hand, there is a movement from point 12 to 22. This change from a higher to a lower time preference curve with real income assumed to be given represents the changes in personality as they occur during the transition from childhood to adulthood in the course of rising life expectancies or as the result of an advancement of knowledge. So basically what we have is he's got like multiple different curves here that are sort of sloping in the same way because you have an overall uh, slope here. Uh, So he has uh, like the vertical axis is the time preference rate and the horizontal is the real money income. And what he has is as the person's real money income is increasing, their time preference rate is going down. However, he's showing it as kind of a curve that flattens out a bit. So like really you can only have like your time preference rate or your uh, real, um, yeah, well, you really can only have your time preference rate be, uh, you know, going, like, it's limited by the extremes, essentially, which is why it has that kind of slope to it. But the other thing he's saying is he has multiple different curves here, and their slopes are exactly the same, because time preference rate versus real money income has the same effect, um, regardless of where you are, but where you are in your life, like, based on how old you are, what your uh, current knowledge or experience is, you can be on a different curve as well. Even though that curve is going to slope the same way, like your overall time preference may be lower than it was at some other point in your life or lower than somebody else's. Yep. But both of your curves are going to be impacted the same way by real money income.
0: Now we're on to time, preference, property, crime,
1: and government getting, getting better. I'm telling you guys, it gets juicier as we go. It does. The actual amount of present goods allocated to the production of future goods depends on the one hand on a person's technical knowledge. For instance, without the knowledge of how to build a fishing net, Crusoe obviously could not have begun to exchange present goods for future ones, that is to save and invest. On the other hand, given a person's technical knowledge, the amount of saving depends solely on his supply of present goods and his time preference schedule the smaller his supply of present goods and the higher his time preference schedule the higher his effective time preference rate and the lower his actual savings will be so again that's just which like one of those curves he's on at all uh in the beginning of humanity there was only land nature given resources and obstacles and labor human bodies strictly speaking the only given supply of any good is that of body time the supply of all other goods be they perishable or durable consumer goods such as berries or caves or indirectly useful goods production factors such as berry bushes and their surrounding land is not given it is the result of someone's prior action of the appropriation homesteading of nature by specific individual The facts and laws of nature and human biology are givens, of course, and nature as such may be generous or skimpy. But only through an an individual's act of appropriation is nature turned into a supply of goods. It is even more obvious that the supply of all produced goods is not given, be they consumer goods, which have been stored, conserved, or made more durable, or produced factors of production, capital goods, They are all the outcome of the activities of specific individuals. Finally, technical knowledge is also not a given. That one potato saved today can yield 10 potatoes one year from now. Uh, So, or the fact that one potato saved today can yield 10 potatoes one year from now may be a fact of nature, but one must first have a potato. Yet, even if one did and one were perfectly willing to invest it for this return or an even lower one, such a fact would be irrelevant unless the person in question knew the laws of potato growing. Thus, neither the supply of present goods nor technology is given or fixed. Rather, they are artifacts created with the intention of improving their appropriator producer's well-being. These expectations can turn out right or wrong. And rather than securing a profit for the actor, his actions may result in a loss but no one would spend any time picking berries unless he expected the berries to be edible. No one would appropriate a berry bush unless he thought that, he, that this would enhance his berry harvest. No one would want to learn about any facts or law of nature unless he anticipated that such knowledge would help him improve his circumstances.
0: I do like that he continues to emphasize the knowledge aspect here and the idea that these are things that essentially we discover and they improve uh, people's lives as we go on. Uh, kind of, I know it's simple, the potato example, mm. but um, I mean, this is kind of a lot of the point of this, you know, time preference stuff too, is you discover new things, new, new uh, way, if, uh, ways to produce and people, you know, go on and do, do similar things. Uh, you know, yeah. kind of like, when the, I mean, shit, there's lights all around me right now. At some point, someone had to figure out a light bulb and now here we are. So, Uh, In a sense that enriched my life. Um,
1: Right. And he sort of tied that all into self-ownership. But he's, he is saying that uh, like man started out as just man in nature, basically, and had to start producing something to stay alive. Yep. And a lot of people, yeah. Kind of overlook that fact Mm. or just completely disregard it because we have so much stuff and all the stuff that's surrounding us is a product of, like uh, people's knowledge, like you were saying, people's technical skill and whatever else, like people have produced all this stuff. And as a single uh, individual, we don't know how to produce any of those things just yeah. on our own, really. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I pencil kind of.
0: Yeah, and like in a certain sense, the the lights that are around me have lowered my time preference because I now I no longer I am essentially able to reroute a lot of my resources into you know savings and other ways because I don't have to provide for that or what have you. I don't have to spend fucking hours splitting wood and, you know, to burn fires or or whatever, you know. Uh, The tendency to, in a social context, an individual supply of appropriated and produced goods his time-preference schedule and hence his effective time-preference rate may also be affected by the actions and the expectations regarding these actions of others. The tendency towards a fall in the time-preference rate and the accompanying process of civilization will proceed so long as has so far been tacitly assumed to be the case as no one interferes in another's acts of nature appropriation and production so long as this is the case and each person is respected by everyone else as the owner of his supply of body time and whatever goods he is appropriate and produced such that everyone may enjoy unmolested by others all present and future benefits to be derived from these goods The existence of more than one person either leaves the tendency toward a fall in time preference rate unchanged or even accelerates and reinforces the very process. The former is the case if and insofar as A appropriates a previously unowned nature given good or if he transforms such a good into a different one without causing any physical damage to the goods owned by another person. A supply of present goods, or the value of such goods for A, is increased, and hence, ceteris paribus, his time preference rate, will fall. Because A's acts have no impact on the supply of goods owned by B, B's time preference rate remains unaffected. Furthermore, the tendency will actually be accelerated insofar as A and B, based on the mutual recognition of each other's property, exchange in voluntary trade or cooperation, and even without any such exchange insofar as they merely observe each other's activities and copy each other's knowledge. Yeah. For any voluntary trade or cooperation between A and B increases, X ante the supply and slash or the value attached to the supply of the goods of both parties. And hence the time preference rate of both A and B will fall. Moreover, by learning facts and laws from one another, such as that there are potatoes, that potatoes can be eaten, or that one's present potato yield or may yield ten future ones, the tendency toward a fall in the rate of time preference spreads from one person to another. Feel so like that one was written pretty well, in that it explains itself. We don't really need to talk about that one too much. Yeah, man. Prop, um,
1: property rights—if you, yes. uh, yeah, if you respect them—and and like you were saying earlier, he's even talking about just merely by observing what somebody else is doing. You can learn from that. You get more knowledge and then your time preference rate can fall that way and it can fall by yeah, producing your own stuff or by voluntary ex- voluntarily exchanging with somebody else uh, to your mutual benefit. So all of that is going on there.
0: However, if violations of property rights occur and the goods appropriate or produced by A are stolen, damaged or expropriated by B or if B restricts the uses that A is permitted make of his goods in any way then the tendency toward a fall in the rate of time preference will be disturbed, halted, or even reversed. The violations of property rights and the effect they have on the process of civilization can be of two kinds. They can take the form of criminal activities including negligent behavior or they can take the form of institutional or governmental interference, which is a lot of people just like to pretend that one doesn't fall in that case, but it's still a property rights violation Just right. because someone somewhere said, you know, I have the right to do this doesn't mean, you know, they do.
1: Yeah. Um, um, the one thing that I remember about this, that I took away from the kind of the main thing that he's going to say here is that, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but the, um, he's going to, uh, compare and contrast, um, like an individual violating another individual's property, which is like a one-time thing. So it may only have like a temporary, effect on heightening that person's time preference like oh they have to this is the the expected thing this is expected point i was getting at earlier right yes because that's unexpected so you don't have to uh change your behavior entirely uh because you don't expect it to happen again
0: yeah
1: whereas uh in the case of a government that's just a constant violation and it is expected all the time so you have to change your behavior all the time to account for that. So that's the, yeah. the main point that he's gonna make. Well, I guess it's not even expected is
0: a key point, expected and kind of generally unavoidable. Because with crime, he even does make the point later that sometimes it can be expected, but you can create provisions right. to uh buffer uh, yeah. yourself against I would that. say that it's yeah,
1: constant versus temporary. Yeah, the government is a constant violator, whereas the individual doing it is a temporary violation. Yeah.
0: The viol do all right, I heard that. The characteristic mark of criminal invasions of property rights is that such activities are considered illegitimate or unjust not only by the victim, but by property owners in general, and possibly even by the criminal himself. Hence, the victim is considered to be entitled to defend himself if need be by retaliatory force, and he may punish and or exact compensation from the offender. The impact of crime is twofold. On the one hand, criminal activity reduces the supply of the goods of the victimized appropriator, producer, exchanger, therefore, or thereby raising his effective time preference rate. On the other hand, insofar as individuals perceive a risk of future victimization, they will accordingly reallocate their resources. They will build walls and fences, install locks and alarm systems, design or buy weapons. And purchase protection and insurance services. The existence of crime thus implies a setback in the process toward a fall in the rate of time preference as far as actual victims are concerned. And it leads to expenditures by actual and potential victims, which would be considered wasteful without the existence of crime.
1: Right. And there is kind of this cascading effect too, like what you would see in like cities, for example, whereas when you have this like process of decivilization, you have like the government. Uh, like, you know, their government police force not um, defending property, like not enforcing any of that. So you have these constant property violations that way, too. And then people have to account for that at all times. So they're going to do things like he just said, like, oh, I need an alarm system. I need guns. Like, I need all these ways to defend myself against this. Whereas if you're yeah living in a much safer environment, you would not have to invest as much into that. And you could spend that money and time and effort actually be more productive than that.
0: Yep. Therefore, crime or a change in its rate has the same type of effect on time preference as the occurrence or a change frequency of natural disasters, floods, storms, heat waves, and earthquakes also reduce their victim supply of present goods. And then, and thus increase their effective time preference rate. And the perceived risk change of natural disasters also leads to resource reallocations and expense adjustments such as the construction of dams, irrigation systems, dikes, shelters, or the purchase of earthquake insurance, which would be unnecessary without these natural risks. Mm. More importantly, however, because actual and potential victims are permitted to defend, protect, and insure themselves against both social disasters, such as crime as well as natural ones. The effect of these on time preference is temporary and unsystematic. Actual Mm. victims will save or invest a smaller amount of goods because they are poor. And I'll pass this off to you here. Uh, I do want to point out, um, Mm -hmm. and and for me, I have to say it because he'll kind of get into it. We're kind of in the midst of it right now. Me being the agorist guy here, uh, I, I do think it's fair to point out that kind of a lot of the point a lot of us are getting at is you kind of should look at it as kind of the same. If you do have this realization of this is essentially a property violation, this is essentially criminals. Uh, there's not much of a differentiating factor except for the power that these individuals have. Uh, so yes. you should do what you can to keep what you have and put in certain uh, stops. Maybe even it's kind of the idea of if a if a you know a criminal comes to your house and says give me all your money and then you get only give them know, half your money. And it's I mean, like if you do a little bit of deception or whatever, it's kind of like there's nothing wrong with that. And it's the same idea applies with the government. And so I think it's more of a mind thing, which I, I guess he probably kind of get that too. So, I mean, yes, you're never going to be able to probably completely be able to be like, you know, completely skirt away everything. You also need to, you know, weigh your risks, uh, you know, the risk and uh, reward type thing. Like if you're skirting your taxes in this way, you probably should be aware of the possible, uh, possible um, uh, result of that. And, you know, think about that and whether you're willing to buy that. It you know, if you're, if you're doing some sort of you know tax skirting and you're making a hundred thousand uh, dollars of profit and you know that likely uh, if you do get caught you'll probably you know get hit with fifth you'll get hit for fifty thousand it's like well that's a net benefit and So then like yeah I guess some people will be like what's well, a crime and I don't want to do it be like well I mean you're literally making profit here so like now if you're talking jail time this complicates things but my point being weighing nice. the risk and 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 or or Risks, reward, uh, whatever the fuck. Uh, So yeah, Um, but yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's about to get into the temporary versus systemic uh, violations that I was referring to where he's comparing and contrasting it at an individual level to the government level. And of course, at the individual level, it's going to be not only temporary, but it's uh, more likely that you'll be able to like fend off that violation than it is that you can fend off you know, a fucking government that has way yeah, more power.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of my point. I was I was reaching at that point in my head, and I forgot it. But it's the same. It's essentially like, yeah, they look at criminals, but you could almost look as a gang came to your house. Like, if a cop does something shitty to you, and you blow them away, or you're even fighting or anything, you're probably not going to. It's probably not going to end well for you. But you literally could apply that in the same exalt or same thing as if a gang of ten dudes came up to you. And you know we're trying to extort you for money. You're also probably equally as retarded to be like, no, I'm gonna fucking fight you all. Like, um, like unless you have some distance between them, them and you, and you have a, a large magazine, uh, you know, like on you. Like, I, I it's probably not gonna end well for you. Like, you know, like it's the yeah. same idea. It's the idea of like, well, you know, here we are. Uh, I, there's not much fending I can do here. So, mm.
1: but it's you, basically, you might you might get wake man.
0: Yeah, it's just a larger criminal. Essentially, is all it is is a way to look at it, but,
1: uh, but go on. Um, Oh, are you going to finish the paragraph or? No, it's a long ass paragraph. You would. (laughs) Uh, and the altered risk perceptions among actual and potential victims shape the direction of their future actions. But as long as physical protect, yeah, as long as physical protection and defense are permitted, the existence of social or of natural disasters does not imply that the time preference degree of actual or potential victims, their degree of future orientation will be systematically changed. So what he's getting at here is if we think about that graph that we just looked at again, where you have the different curves. um, So something like an individual, like violating your property or whatever, that's going to shift you along the same curve that you're currently on and temporarily affect what your time preference rate is, but a government which is like a permanent, constant uh, change, and it will actually jump you like to a higher curve uh, of time preference entirely. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. so even so, your rate of time preference will uh, increase, but you'll actually jump uh, completely to a different curve because that um, ex- you know that constant factor is just changing it completely forever, basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, after taking account of the damage and redirecting one's activities, the tendency toward a fall in the rate of time preference and the attending process of civilization will resume its previous path. In its course, both the protection against crime and natural disasters can be expected to undergo continual improvement. Matters fundamentally change and the process of civilization is permanently derailed whenever property rights violations take the form of government interference, however. So this is basically what I just described again. The d- distinctive mark of government violations of private property rights is that, contrary to criminal activities, they are considered legitimate, not only by the government agents who engage in them, but by the general public as well, and in rare instances, and in rare instances, possibly even by the victim. I would I say even, not even in. rare Yeah, I don't instance. think that's rare. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Most instances, I think the victim is like, "Well,
1: gotta pay my taxes." <laughs> Hence, in these cases, a victim may not legitimately defend himself against such violations. Uh, I don't know. I don't, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, it makes sense to say not. I would say that they won't, but uh, it also makes sense to say that they uh, that they can't, really, because if they do, they're yeah. going to get arrested or something like that. I
0: the mean, they can. To, it won't end well.
1: That's why I kind of use the criminal exactly,
0: example yeah. earlier. It's kind of the same idea of if there's 20 dudes trying to take money from you, like, yeah, you can defend yourself probably not going to work out for you right.
1: <laughs> but you, more you, power you, to you if you do that's cool <laughs> you've gone blurry jose i don't know what's going on with your uh connection or whatever
0: maybe i got, okay i just changed out my router today i've been having internet issues so maybe I that's it know. i don't know
1: whatever i can still hear you fine you, if, just, if i oh you can
0: yeah i can hear you fine you're just blurry like pigfoot Probably a little bit of a delay too. Uh, whatever. If I if I cut out, you can just finish it. We'll end on uh, we'll end on and uh, the next page right before government government growth and the process of decivilization. But uh, hopefully, if I do cut out, I'll come
1: back. But uh, yeah. okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah. So we'll stop at um, at the end of this section. You look better yes. now again. By the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> As always, you look great. I uh, did a little skincare today, but go on. Very sexy. Yeah. The imposition of a government tax on property or income violates a property or income producer's right as much as theft does. Um, I mean, it is theft, so yes. Yeah. In both cases, the appropriator producer's supply of goods is diminished against his will and without his consent. Government money or liquidity creation involves no less a fraudulent expropriation of private property owners than the operations of a criminal counterfeiter gang. So now we're talking about the Fed printing money. Moreover, any government regulation as to what an owner may or may not do with his property beyond the rule that no one may physically damage the property of others and that all exchange and trade with others must be voluntary and contractual implies a taking of somebody's property on par with acts of extortion robbery or destruction but taxation the government's provision of liquidity and government regulations unlike their criminal counterparts are considered legitimate and the victim of government interference unlike the victim of a crime is not entitled to physical defense and the protection of his property Exactly, so that's like all the stuff that we yeah have already been saying pretty much. But he is saying the government, uh, sort of interfering with your property rights takes three forms, uh, which are taxation, printing money, which uh, causes your money to be worth less over time, and uh, regulation, which is essentially like everything else. I guess you could lump in under Mm -hmm. regulation.
0: I would clarify too when he's saying like they're not entitled to physical defense and protection of his property. He means in like a in like a real world sense and perception of the masses and how it's going to work out for you. Uh, I'm sure if you're taking the natural rights approach. Wow. Yeah. If you want to be the sovereign citizen, go right ahead. You'll get no, I may say, I may tell you it's dumb, but you know, whenever do what you want, uh, I think it's fully within your rights in that natural rights sense, but in a, uh, mm-hmm. in a, what's really going to happen. Just like I use the example of a large gang, like, yeah, you have every right to defend yourself against 20 dudes trying to mug you. It's just, Probably not going to work out well.
1: <laughs> right. Now, he's, he's just saying that, yeah, in the case of the government, if, if you try to do anything like that, they're going to yeah. throw you in a cage. So yes. um, it, it is against their laws, essentially, is yeah. what he's saying here. Um, because of their legitimacy, then, government violations of property rights affect individual time preferences systematically, differently, and much more profoundly than does crime. Excuse me. Like crime, government interference with private property rights reduces someone's supply of present goods and thus raises his effective time preference rate. Yet government offenses, unlike crime, simultaneously raise the time preference degree of actual potential because they also imply a reduction in the supply of future goods, a reduced rate of return on investment. So, again, that's like the the jumping to a different uh, time preference curve, uh, I would say. Once again,
0: I do want to point out in a certain sense, I kind of don't like the differentiation because it is crime. It is theft, but I, I get why
1: he's doing it for the purposes I, yeah, of this. I, I was thinking that as well. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's sort of just referring to the fact that, that it's, yeah, like it's not against like, the, like he's basically saying the government is above their own laws essentially. Yes. Yeah.
0: And the point that I've you know, made multiple times too, it's, I mean, this is crime. We're only differentiating it for, I guess, more for the understanding of the, of the reader, but in a certain sense, they literally are basically the same thing. It's just the only difference is one of the criminals is a much larger group. It's much more organized. That also has a populace that, you know, will kind of uh, stand by uh, tacitly, essentially, or even sometimes, you know, root against you or even actively, you know, work against you. So it's, it's different in that sense. But I mean, mm. it's really no different than if you had a local area that had a mafia and uh you know they did fucked up shit but a lot of people liked them and they're just kind of like, well that's the mafia i mean in a lot of senses some mafias at certain periods of time were basically essentially no not much different than the government and funny enough a lot of times they actually usually uh handled the handled things a lot better than the government
1: i was gonna say yeah (laughs) i i think in most cases like yeah if you uh like if you buy off the government a little bit or sorry the mafia a little bit like you could buy their protection like they would actually protect you in in a lot of those cases, whereas the government won't.
0: Exactly. All right.
1: Yeah. Crime Um,
0: crime because it is illegitimate, I believe. Crime
1: because it is illegitimate occurs only intermittently. The robber disappears from the scene with his loot and leaves his victim alone. Thus, crime can be dealt with by increasing one's demand for protection, goods, and services relative to that for non-protection goods, This is stuff that we were already uh, talking about before. So as to restore or even increase one's future rate of investment return and make it less likely the same or a different robber will succeed a second time with the same or a different victim. In contrast, because they are legitimate, governmental property rights violations are continual. The offender does not disappear into hiding but stays around, and the victim does not arm himself but must at least he is generally expected to remain defenseless. Consequently, future property rights violations, rather than becoming less frequent, become institutionalized.
0: Okay, which the obviously the deduction there, which I think he gets into later, is uh, it, it, not even becoming less frequent. It'll it will increase, but he'll get to that later. Uh,
1: you know. Yeah. So. Um. And, and I would say. Uh, I, I would say perceived legitimacy rather than yeah. legitimacy when we're talking about the government here, but yes. Yeah. You also um, got to
0: take into account Hoppe. He was not his first language. And then also you could probably got to think about the, the way that he's writing, uh, you know, the, the uh, it's to illustrate a point. If he was writing specifically in our vernacular, it may not make the same point in a certain way, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, I got a super sticker for 10 bucks from JC. I appreciate it, man. Oh, yeah. JC. Yeah. All right, I'll take over from here. The rate, regularity, and duration of future victimization increases. Instead of by improved protection, the actual and potential victims of government property rights violations, as demonstrated by their continued uh, defenselessness vis-a-vis their offenders, respond by associating a permanently higher risk with all future production and systematically adjusting their expectations concerning the rate of return on all future investment downward. Competing with the tendency toward a falling uh, rate of time preference, another opposing tendency comes into operation with the existence of government. By simultaneously reducing the supply of present and expected future goods, governmental property rights violations not only raise time preference rates, but also time preference schedules. Because appropriator producers are defenseless against future future victimization by government agents, their expected rate of return on productive future oriented actions is reduced all around. Mm-hmm. And accordingly, all actual and potential victims will become more present
1: oriented. Yeah. So it's like uh, you know, in that apple tree example again, I guess you could say like rather than expecting like all of your apple trees to produce like a certain amount of apples. And you know, that that's going to happen. Uh, the government being involved is like saying that that amount of apples that is going to be produced is forever less than that. If, if that makes sense at all. So you're going to change uh, your behavior entirely. Yeah, As we'll be explaining in the course of
0: the following section, if government property rights violations take their course, and grow extensive enough, the natural tendency of humanity to build an expanding stock of capital, capital, and durable consumer goods, and to become increasingly more far-sighted and provide for ever more distant goals may not only come to a standstill, but may be reversed by a tendency toward decivilization. Formerly provident providers will be turned into drunks or daydreamers, adults into children, civilized men into barbarians, and producers into criminals. All right, and that concludes this reading for today. Next one we'll go into, we'll continue the time preference chapter, but we'll go into the section of government, government growth, and the process of de-civilization from monarchy to democracy. Now we're getting into it.
1: I'm telling you, the further we get in, the more juicy it gets. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I love what he's calling, yeah, people drunks and barbarians and stuff. I'm, uh, I'm into it. I like his uh, colorful language there. And I will say just in response to what was going on in the chat here that I think about the Fed, uh, JC is correct, that it isn't that the Fed is like a bunch of buffoons that are making mistakes. Like I think they are truly evil people and they know exactly what they're doing. They're intentionally devaluing the currency.
0: Yeah, I mean, it depends on who you're talking about. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be the, the true be ball, believers. Yeah. yeah, there's always going to be the true believers in just about every system, aside from maybe like the Rothschilds or something. But uh, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, like, I mean, and whether it's intentional or unintentional, it's kind of the incentive to still create the same product. To, you know, even if you do pop in, and you're like, oh, I'm the Fed chair, and I'm here for four or eight years or however long they keep me here. I mean, I don't know. What kind of incentive do you really have to, you're just kind of like, you, I mean, even if you're like, oh shit, this is fuck, you might just be like, I just need to get the fuck through this.
1: And, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, but, um, but also they're kind of incentivized to do that because they're like, hey, if we uh, just continually print more money, then we're going to be able to hand out more and tell the people that, hey, we have more for you, basically.
0: Yeah, and everyone likes that. No one likes the guy that does the prudent thing of like, hey, let's raise interest rates. Let's, uh, you know, whatever, you know. And even then, you can have too high of an interest rate. So, like uh, the whole idea, of this is even like yeah. a thing that's supposed to be controlled by people is kind of fucking retarded. So. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> the Fed should not be controlling
1: it at all. They shouldn't be raising. If they raise interest rates at this point, they'll crash the economy. If they raise them even slightly too much, yeah, even a slight increase, really. But yeah, I mean, really, the only thing that you could do is what Hoppe was talking about at the beginning of that chapter, and you need to let it be a function of the free market. And that should dictate what the interest rates are at any given time.
0: All right, man, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, drop your plugs. Uh, we'll be back. We'll probably yeah. try to do this, uh, I'm assuming, a week from now. I mean, we can talk scheduling. I don't know the next one's schedule, but we'll keep knocking them up consistently. So
1: Yeah, toad, TPH underscore toad, uh, Tower Power Hour, which uh, I do with this guy, Jose, right here, and Cole, who I saw in the chat a little while ago, because Cole, we know, doesn't know anything about what time preference is. So hopefully he was here. uh, Hopefully he learned something from this episode. I
0: created created this just for Cole, so he doesn't actually have to read.
1: (laughs) Cole uh, Cole got uh, the Fat Dave, because he's Fat Dave. He got the shout-out from uh, Dave Smith today, so that was pretty awesome. We got um, Clint Russell and sometimes Reed Coverdale and Top Lobster, also on Tower Power. We're a bunch of degenerates. Uh, We make a bunch of dick jokes and... uh, Just be really offensive. We had an episode last night. uh, We were talking about Federman a lot and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I'll put that episode up uh, everywhere tomorrow. It is still on YouTube right now, so check that out. We're live every Wednesday night on that show. Yeah, we
0: uh, stream to what YouTube and Twitter and and Odyssey. Odyssey. We Mm -hmm. can't rumble yet because we just created a rumble. I don't think we have enough subs yet. So if you're here and you have a rumble, please go uh, do it. Go subscribe, even if you don't ever intend on using the the Rumble, just so we can start streaming there. Subscribe to the Rumble,
1: and we also just uh, opened up a Patreon, which right now is mostly uh, general support. But if you support us at the highest level, you'll also get a pretty big Top Lobster discount on Tower Power Hour merch. So
0: yeah 30 percent i believe and we'll give yeah. you the promo code and you, you get that discount but uh yeah and i, I really think uh the, the even for the lowest level i think we should do like some sort of mailbag thing to where like people can just send us we should uh, you know, i'll send them pictures of my well.
1: mailbag
2: yeah
0: you know, I mean, you know for real though i think it should just be like uh they can send us a fucking you know whether it's a clip they think is funny and we can play them and we can kind of go through mailbags every week to kind of like riff off of but uh all right. Uh, yeah, this is I'm Jose Galison. I'm uh, at Senor Jose 2020. If you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, hopefully you know Elon. will get my. I've had it's my third account. I think third or fourth. Uh, my other two accounts. I think. Uh, I think it was two other accounts. I think it's my third one. I fucking, I got to 3K for
1: both of them, got nuked. Yeah. Uh, I think so. you had four, actually. I think you had Jose Galison, and Jose, and Senor, or no, you're Senor Jose now. You had yeah. No Way Jose 2020 or some shit. I feel like I had a, I feel like this is my fourth, but I might be wrong. I don't know. Uh, either either
0: way, I fucking, you know, like, uh, hopefully he gives he gives me the shit back. Uh, yeah. uh, I want Aarco Toad back. Let's go. Yeah, no, dude, uh, the whole crew, if we get our shit back, it will be rolling deep. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm looking, I'm, I'm hoping that happens. So that it should be good. But yeah, uh, you know, this is, this is no way Jose show. You can follow me on YouTube, all major odd packages, obviously as well. Uh, I mean, if you like this stuff, I have other live readings I've already done. I've done all the other agris works, the three books of Konkin. Uh, I think those are all my only live reading ones so far, but I've also, gonna you know, cover a lot of theory and stuff too. I uh, do a little bit conspiracy stuff, Covered at uh, OKC. But uh, yeah, check out my content, see what other stuff I got. I'm sure if this, you enjoy this, I'm sure there's other stuff uh, that I have that I'll, you'll enjoy. Uh, but yeah, if you want to support me, patreon.com, just know Jose 2020. And yeah, like, share, subscribe, comment, all that gay shit. Let's get the fuck out of here. It was fun. And uh, it's getting more yeah. juicy as we go. I'm looking forward to the next one. And all we right. are out. Peace.